excited to worship Jesus. Amen. If we can all please stand, we want to thank you all for joining us this morning. We appreciate it. We love you all so much. Special Sundays, Ordination Day. So we want to bless the Lord and thank him for this time. So right now I want to just uh, invite our brother Jose. He's going to come up and testify. Let's give him a hand, everybody. testimony something God taught me recently when I first put my faith in Jesus about two and a half years ago I was all in I jumped head first I was like this is what I've been waiting for my whole life I was waiting for Jesus I was waiting for him I looked for him in everything I looked for him in here in jobs and sports and girls and then when I found Jesus I said this is it I said this is it and I jumped head first all in and then recently I learned, I got married a year, about, what, that'd be a year and a half ago? There's my wife right there, amen. Got married a year and a half ago, and I started learning a very hard lesson. A very hard lesson. It was hard for me to get it. It was hard for me to get this. It was hard for me to get it. And I want to share the scripture with you and explain it, all right? Um, this is Ephesians 5. It says, wives, submit yourselves to your husbands, amen, as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church. Um, and now here it goes, for the husbands, though. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. And I was like, you know, that first part is awesome. I'm like, yeah, amen, baby, you better submit right now. You know, that's what the Bible says. But then how much, but then I thought about this. If I'm supposed to be like Jesus to the church, right? Jesus died for the church. He died for the church. Even when the church don't do what, she, what the, he asked them to do, he still loves them. He still gives himself up for them. I said, Jesus, this is hard, Jesus. I got to do it. I got to be here for all the time. I'm tired, Jesus. You know, but, but for real, this is a hard lesson. It used to touch my heart. And it, it used to, like, it used to twist in my heart. I said, oh, my goodness, I can't do this. And I started realizing how, how, how marriage really, really is an illustration of how Jesus loves us. Amen. How he's there for us no matter what. I'm like, wow, Jesus wouldn't have talked to me like that. I can't talk to her like that. Jesus would have forgave me right there. I should forgive her right there. Jesus would have got up in the middle of the night and gave me something to eat. I better go get her something to eat. Amen. So I had to learn that. And it's a beautiful picture. But, but that's what I learned. And I, and I prayed. I know there's a lot of families here you would see the importance of family, that God was the one who started families. Amen? He started families. Let's, I'm going to pray for everybody. Lord, I pray for all the families here. God, I pray for all the wives that they would submit to their husbands, all their husbands that they would uh, love their wives as Christ of the church, and all their children would obey their parents, and all their parents would raise their children up in a training and instruction. Lord, I pray for the service here, for the ordination, God, that you would have your way, and we would be filled with your Holy Spirit. Have your way, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Good morning, church. Let's clap our hands. Come on. Come to see that I am chosen. I am chosen. I am free. I am living for eternity. Free now forever. You fix me up, turn me around. You set my feet on solid ground. Yours now forever. 
people singing nothing. And nothing's gonna hold me back. And nothing's gonna hold me back. And nothing's gonna hold me back. My chains, my chains fell off. My heart was free. I'm alive to live for you. I'm alive to live for you. Wash my sin and shame away. Sing it out, church. Slay this skin, a brand new boy. Free now forever. Above the eye, I'll put your throne to claim this crown. Through Christ my own, he is yours now forever. Come on, sing it, nothing. Yeah, nothing's gonna hold me back. Yeah, nothing's gonna hold me Nothing's gonna hold me back. My chains fell off, my heart was free. I'm alive to live for you. I'm alive to live for you. You me to love, how can it be? You gave everything for me. You gave, proceed to get my chains. Lord, amen. Why don't you look to your neighbor and just tell him, I'm glad that you're here. 
Today's a special Sunday. It's ordination Sunday for us. And you're about to see this morning what God is doing in the life of people, how he's raising up deacons, how he's raising up elders, how he's raising up his church. Amen. To be a light in this world, in this city. We're so thankful that you're here as a body group of believers. But we all just close our eyes right now and just thank the Lord for all that he's done. Going in your life, in the lives of the people here that are being ordained, we're grateful, God. Your unfailing love never ends. God, we come before you right now because of your power. You've changed people. Come on, we're celebrating those people that have been changed, God. And they're declaring today that, man, I'm taking a stand. I'm not going to be a person sitting in the back. I'm going to be right up there. And God, use me where you want. So we come here today, God. And we say that there's more. So if you're in here in this place and you say, man, you know what? God, I want you to use me in the same way. I don't want to be in the back row. I don't want to be the first one to leave. Always kind of make it seem like, you know what? I don't have time for the extra stuff, the fellowship. Come on, would you just raise your hand and just say, man, God, use me for your glory. Come on, for my family and my job. Come on, whatever it is, God, use me. Love is relentless, God. Yeah. 
the band plays, when you just sing what's in your heart this morning, you don't have to follow the words on a karaoke screen, come on, let's make this personal this morning.
feel in my spirit right now that it's just create an atmosphere of desperation. You know, when you're desperate for something, you got to have it. You know, for some of us fellas, like, man, you know what? I seen this new car and I have to get this car because it has X, Y, and Z. And you know, the, the same old adage we do for the ladies, ladies with shoes, I got to get those pair of shoes. What about when it comes to the Lord? You ever say to yourself, man, I need more. I, I, I got to have more. You know, a lot of those times they come in times of desperation when we hit rock bottom or something really scary happens within our family or something that we can't control happens. That's when we say, I need God. But why can't we do it right now? In a place of worship where we say, man, God, I, I love you. I know you love me, but I want more. I wonder what would happen when you say in your spirit and your heart to an almighty God, an infinite God, an all-powerful God saying, God, I want more. I wonder what he'll do. Do you think he'll answer your prayer this morning? How so? What would it look like? I want to encourage you right now. Let's go ahead and create an atmosphere of desperation. Like, man, I want more. Come on, we're going to press in this morning. You're not giving up. And just because it doesn't happen after two minutes of prayer doesn't mean he's not coming. Come on. So right now, let's just lift up our hands. God, we are desperate for you. God, we're desperate for you. We want more. Go on to say it, church. We want more. God, come and fill me up. Holy Spirit, we ask right now that you would let it flow like rivers upon this place at 5405 West Diversity Metro Praise International. God, would you open up your heavens right now and let it flow. Come on, church. And we receive. Come on, pray. We want more. I want more. I need more. More Everybody could stay in their positions. How are you guys excited to be at church this morning? Come on. We want to keep lingering in the presence of God. We're going to continue to worship, but I want to take some time out because I really feel that God is taking us as a church to a different place. And it's one thing for us to come together and clap our hands and sing songs, but that's not what worship is about. What I want you guys to understand as a church, because there's a lot of new people. Some of you are new to the Lord, you're new to this, and I just want to teach you this morning. Is that okay? Us coming to church and worshiping God is not us just looking at this team right here and clapping our hands and just singing words from a screen. The Bible says that there's going to come a time where the Father is going to seek after worshipers that are going to worship him in spirit 
and in truth. And that is happening right now in this room. God is scanning the room today and he is looking for hearts that are worshiping him in spirit and in truth, not for lips that are worshiping him. See, we can't come to church with our Holy Ghost tank on E. When you worship Jesus outside of this half hour slot of your week, when it's happening on Monday morning, when it's happening Tuesday night during your devotion, when it's happening Wednesday at the dinner table with your family, that's a lifestyle of worship. So when that's happening throughout the week and we get together corporately, we need to be busting the roof off of this building because there's so much glory on our life. See, the Bible says that we are to live lives filled to overflow. You as a believer today are supposed to be filled to overflowing in the Spirit of God, not on E. And you know what the beauty of being filled to overflow is means you're in a position with Jesus every single day where he is constantly pouring in and you are constantly pouring out. That is overflow. Think about a cup. If I was continually pouring water into a glass, it is going to continue to be filled and continually pouring out. It's never going to run dry. It's never going to go empty. So when we gather together, church, to worship Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, he is worthy of all of our attention, all of our praise, all of our life. Sacrifice to him Monday through Saturday. Because if you think you're going to get through your walk with Jesus, just worshiping him 30 minutes on Sunday morning, that is not going to happen. So what we're going to do right now is we're going to all uh, be quiet. There's not going to be any instruments. And I just want us to lift up our hands. And we're going to get real. Because we're not here to put Jesus in a box. How many of you guys glad that we don't put Jesus in a box? We don't say, Holy Spirit, you're going to move one way. Like, I don't have to come up here and be Jesus' cheerleader for you. Because worship is not about us. It's about him. So I want some radicals this morning. I want some desperate people. I want somebody who needs breakthrough to shout out and praise. I want three, four, five people just on your own right now as we are all focused on Jesus. It's not about the band. We can't take this guitar. We can't have Adam and put him in our pocket and take him to work with us tomorrow and put him on our desk and say, sing for me, Adam. Jason, play the keyboard for me, Jason, because I need to worship. No, no, no. This is where we're going to learn how to worship. So I want some desperate people. Jose, I want you to start it off, brother, because you are ready. Let's get some breakthrough praise. This is how we worship God, guys, throughout the week. It's not about a show. This is not a concert. We're worshiping. Come on, let's worship our king. Come on, shout out praise. Jesus, you are holy, 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 holy is the Lamb of God. Holy are you, Jesus. You alone are worthy of all praise and all glory and all honor. Holy to your name. Holy are you, O oh God. Holy are you. The
that lamb that was slain before the creation, before the foundations of the earth. Holy is the Lord Jesus Christ. He alone is worthy. You are worthy, worthy, worthy. Holy, 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 holy. Holy, 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 holy. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. In the heavens and earth are filled with his glory. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The heavens and earth are filled with his glory. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The heavens, the whole heavens, the whole heavens and the whole earth. The whole earth and the heavens are filled with his glory. Holy are you, Jesus. Jesus is holy. Holy is the Lamb. Holy are you, O God. 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 You alone deserve the praise. You alone deserve the praise. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, somebody else run up on here so you can come and praise on the mic. I need a desperate person. Come on. Somebody needs breakthrough praise. If you're stuck... You need some breakthrough praise this morning because it's not about you. It's not about me. It's all about Jesus. So I need somebody who's ready to go. Come on, come grab this mic. Hallelujah, Jesus. You are the beginning and the last, Father God. You are the first and the last, Father God. You are the alpha and the omega, Father God, of our lives. On Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Father God, and Saturday, Lord, every single day, Father God, we exalt your name to the highest place, Father God, the name above all names, the name that every knee shall bow, Father God, before you and declare that you are Lord of lords and King of kings, Father God. We lift you up, Father. We we just want worship you today, God. We exalt your name, oh God. We exalt your name to the highest place. Hallelujah. Come on, if you're filled with the Holy Ghost this morning, I want you to start speaking in tongues. We are unashamedly Pentecostal. We are unashamedly filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in fire. I want us to build up our innermost being. The Bible says pray in the spirit to build your inner man. Come on. If you're here today and this is new for you and you want it, lift up your hands because the Holy Ghost will give it to you. We believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Fresh fire, fresh wind in this place. Come on. Worship your king today. Come on, he is high and lifted up. Praise you, Jesus. You are high and lifted up. Let's go, band. Let's join in. He is high and lifted up. We praise you, Jesus. We praise you, Jesus. You are high. You are high and lifted up. You are high and lifted up. We praise. Jesus. Praise you, Praise Jesus. You, Jesus. 
keep going. You are high and lifted up. Come on. When you break through praise today, some of you have to push. Keep pushing. We worship you. We love you, Lord. We want to be those worshipers that you are seeking, Father God. Worshipers that worship you in spirit and in truth, filled with the power of God, filled to overflowing. We know that worship is all about you. It has nothing to do with us, oh God. And we're coming back to the heart of worship. Metro Praise International, oh God, will seek your face. We'll be worshipers who worship you in spirit and in truth because you are worthy. our children with us during this worship time, teaching them, seeing them going after God. How many of you guys enjoyed that teaching on worship? See, we all have to be in the same place, church. It's not just about a one-man show or a, a five-member band. Worship is in your heart. And so we need to grow together as a church. So I want to challenge you. Worship Jesus 
as a lifestyle this week and watch what happens when we gather together next week. So each and every one of us need to keep working that out, seeking Jesus and making him the lover of our soul. Nothing in this world compares to him. We're so thankful that you guys all came to join us this morning at Metro Praise International. For those that don't know who I am, my name is Nancy Wyrostek. I'm one of the apostolic elders here. And we want to welcome you, especially if this is your first time. But at this time, what we like to do is we like to preach the gospel. Somebody say preach. The gospel means good news. And so this message is for those of you this morning who are not right with God. You have not been born again. The Bible says if you're not born again, you cannot go to heaven. Or you once lived for God, or you backslid, and you're just not right right now. I want you to listen to this message. As they put the Bible verse up there, this is the good news that Jesus came to give us. The good news is that Jesus came, period. Amen? 2 Peter 3.9, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you. Somebody say patient. Not wanting anyone to perish but all, everyone to come to repentance. And so that verse starts off with saying, the Lord is not slow. Basically, what that is referring to is his promise of coming back for us. How many of you guys know that Jesus is coming back? If you didn't know that, now you know. Jesus is coming back for his bride, a bride that is spotless and blameless and clean, shining like the noonday sun, shining like the stars in the universe. He is coming back for his bride. We are his bride, the church of Jesus Christ on the earth. And he, this is saying he's not going to be slow about it. 2015 years may have passed by, but he's coming. And so we need to be ready. And because of his patience, because he died for everyone, he's taking his time. See, some people think that Jesus died just for a few, but that's not true. Jesus died for everyone. How many does he want to come to repentance? Everyone. And it's his loving kindness that draws us to repentance. It's the loving kindness of our Father who desires a relationship with his creation, a relationship with you. I want you to point to yourself and say, he wants a relationship with me. So with all eyes closed all across this room, if you know you're not right with God and you want to be, today is your day. We're not promised tomorrow, the Bible says. Today is the day of salvation. Today is your day to be saved. So as I begin to pray, I want you to pray to Jesus, and I want you to give him your life. God, I thank you for every single person in this room. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would move and have your way, that as you dock, knock on the door of their heart, that they would let you in, Jesus. I ask, oh Lord, that they would feel you, that they would embrace you, that they would not reject your commands, oh God, but that they would turn to you, receive forgiveness of their sins as they repent, oh God, that you would come and save them that today would be their spiritual birthday. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen and amen. Give the Lord a hand clap as you stand up to your feet. We are going to have prayer workers here to the side. During our fellowship time in just a moment, Pastor Griselda and Pastor Berto is here to pray with you. If you want to get close to Jesus, you want to live your life for him, and you want to get plugged into the discipleship here at this church, they are there for you. At this time, we're going to recite our confession of faith together as a church. The reason why we do this every week is because this is our Christian worldview. This is how we see the world around us, and we will stand and declare the word of God. Are you guys ready? On the count of three, let's do it. One, two, three. 
I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world, the Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Come on, clap it up. Meet somebody that you don't know. Give somebody a handshake.
Anyone who's excited to be at church this morning, make some noise. Come on. We are pumped, pumped, pumped to have you guys all here. As you can see, everybody's feeling the love. We're going into overtime fellowship today. Feels awesome. Welcome everybody to Metro Praise International. Especially if this is your first time here, we want to welcome you back. Keep on coming. And for those that are all the family members that are here, we want to welcome you. We'll, we'll introduce you guys in a little bit. Here at MPI, our services are every Sunday at 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. And then we have Elevate every Friday at 7 p.m. for ages 11 to 18 years old. So if you're in that age group, you got to be here on Friday nights. You do not want to miss it. So Get plugged in, find some youth to get connected with. It's an awesome time. We want you guys to join us as well for our All Nations Dinner that's right around the corner, Sunday, November 15th at 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. for both of our services. We will be having an All Nations Potluck Dinner. So bring a dish that represents your culture, your country, and let's just share it with each other. It's an awesome time. So come hungry and come full of food in your hands. Are you guys excited about our All Nations Dinner? Come on. Today is our ordination service. For those that do not know, our culture here at MPI, our ordination services is like the Super Bowl for us, okay? So this is a big deal. So we are super excited and extremely proud of our faithful disciples who have graduated the 201 class and will be being ordained today as deacons to serve in the house of God to win Chicago and the nations for the Lord. And so we want to thank you, all of the friends, all of the family that have come out to support them. This is a very special day for them, and they deserve all of our love and support because they worked hard for it. And so before the Lord today, they will be ordained to be a pillar in the house of God forevermore. Amen. So thank you for coming for that. Our vision here is very simple. It's loving God and loving people. Somebody say loving God. Now say loving people. Those are the two greatest commandments that Jesus gave to us, and that is our vision. That's how we want to live our life. And then our discipleship strategy is threefold. It's connect, mentor, and send. The way that we want to connect you to the church here and to Jesus is through our life groups. Somebody say life groups. If you could please turn, out your, turn around your handout, wave it in the air a little bit. Come on, don't be shy. Wave it in the air. Turn it around. You will see our quarterly schedule of life groups. We want to encourage you to find one to belong to. Find the times, the dates, the type of life group that will meet the needs of you and your family and get connected. Here is a snapshot of what's happening this week that you guys can just jump right into. Today, Sunday, our single mamas are meeting. Come on, single mamas, make some noise. Powerful women of God. If you are a single mom, you have got to be there today at 630 at that address. Child care is provided. Wednesday, we have our King's Kids, infant to 11 years old. They meet here at the church every week, 6.30. It's our Royal Rangers Boys Club, Impact Girls Club. That's the life group for our children. You want your children to be here on Wednesday nights if they're in that age group. They're doing awesome things for Jesus. Thursday, our gang outreach, 18 years and up, 7 p.m. meeting at that ad address. They hit the streets, and then we're just winning the gang bangers to the Lord. How many of you guys know that our young people need Jesus? You know, these gangbangers that we keep seeing are 15, 16, 17-year-old young boys who need to be taught about Jesus to become men. And they need our love. They need our attention. And we got to go get them. So we have a powerful life group for that. Every Friday, 
We have two adult Bible studies for you guys. One is at the Govea's house. The other one is at the Walker's house. Both have child care available for you, 7 p.m., 18 years and up. You have got to be there if you're an adult. Get connected. It's in the life groups that you're going to build these lasting friendships, okay? Because we want to get you connected to the church and to Jesus. So you get fellowship. You get the word. You get to build friendships. And then Saturday, every week, we have our evangelism that meets here at the church at 5 p.m. All ages are welcome. And then we hit the streets. We share our faith about Jesus. We street witness. It's a powerful time. If you've never done it, you've got to do it. Then we want to mentor you. Somebody say mentor. We have leaders ready to take you through our 101 book called Welcome to Your New Life. If you're new here, you've been saved for a long time. If you're new, we want to walk through this journey of discipleship with you. Because after you graduate the 101, you'll get into our 201 class, Disciples That Make Disciples, where we train you how to be a leader in the church, continue that discipleship journey so that we can win 100,000 in Chicago. Okay, that's what we want. Because we want to keep sending you out. And our goal here is to have 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches and 500 around the world. If you want to be a part of that, say amen. It's not an accident that you are here. We started this church 10 years ago with me and my, my husband and like four people. And look where we are today. It's the faithfulness of God. We want to win a city. This is a vision that he's given to us and we need everybody on board. So you can come on board because the, the train is going to keep moving, okay? So we want you to get on that train and join us on this awesome ride that God wants to do in us and through us to win Chicago and the world. Um, at this time, we're going to learn about offerings. How many of you guys decided to learn about tithes and offerings? We are on a different section of the Disciples Giving book as well. So we are on section four. Let's put a, pull it up. Take your time. If you want to look it up on your phones, it's disciple, It's givingbook.org. You could always follow along on the screen as well. It's all, it's, we're going to be learning about the hindrances that keep us from being faithful to tithes and offerings. Today is lesson one, overcoming greed. A hindrance is something that prevents us from being obedient to God's commands. How many of you guys believe that there are hindrances in our life that we need to overcome? There are always hindrances that are going to be coming against us to keep us from being obedient to God's commands. But we, they must be overcome, and Jesus has made that possible. So let's read in Matthew 6, 24. Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. That's pretty deep. Somebody say that's deep. Let's read the three main points of that. Number one, no one can serve two masters. Notice how Jesus states that the number one competing master for men's heart is money. Why? Because with money, man can temporarily act as his own God. In pride, man says, it's my money, and I can do whatever I want with it. But how many of you guys know that's not submitting to Jesus and his kingdom rule? Let's keep reading. Number two, greed is valuing money above God's word. Many people think the sin of greed is just when rich people act wicked to get more money. Uh, for example, crooked politicians, dishonest businessmen, perverse entertainers, etc. How many of you guys think about that? Oh, they're greedy. They got all this money. They just keep wanting more. But that's not all who it's about. However, according to the Bible, greed is whenever we choose to value money over keeping God's commands. So it doesn't matter if we have a lot or if we have a little bit. We all can struggle with greed. It doesn't matter. It's the heart. Number three, serve God, not money. When God is your master, money will work for you. However, if you make money your master, you will not be able to serve God. Therefore, obey God's commands concerning your finances. How many of you guys trust the Lord? 
We have to trust him now with just a little bit that we want, but everything, and that includes our finances, because with him, everything is kept secure, because ultimately, our security is not on this earth. This is all temporary. Let's, uh, let's read the summary. Overcome greed by making Jesus the master of your finances. Who wants to do that? We want to make Jesus the master of our finances. I know many of you are. Hey, let's apply this. Number one, be faithful in giving your tithes. 10% of your total income and offerings, anything you give after your tithes. Number two, repent if you have not always obeyed God's commands in your finances. And number three, make Jesus the master of your heart and wallet. Come on, let's confess this over our life on the count of three. One, two, three. By the power of the Holy Spirit and the guidance of the word of God, I will not be hindered by greed, laziness, unbelief, discouragement, or fatigue in my giving to God. I will overcome bitterness, impatience, pride, fear, idolatry, and live a life of obedience in my finances. Please stand up to your feet with me this morning as we prepare to give God our very best our tithes and our offerings, he is worthy of it all. Again, here at MPI, we believe that a tithe is a 10% of your total income, and an offering is an amount between you and God that's above the tithe, which we designate towards missions and towards building. And we want to thank you so much for partnering with us in both of those categories, because all that we do, we want to continue to preach the gospel all around the world. And uh, currently we are in that building fund. We're so close to getting that lit up Metro Praise International Church sign to go across the building. So let's keep pushing through. Let's make that happen for the end of the year. We're all doing it together. Um, we want to let you guys know about two other convenient ways for you to give or purchase items in the church with your debit or credit cards. One is our, our at our easy-to-use website, and the other option is in the back with either myself or Pastor Griselda. If you have any questions about that, you can see us after service. I also want to make note, since I have all of your attention, that today is going to be our last day, temporarily probably last day, of being able to use that second parking lot. So in the front of the gate where you see the overflow parking, Metro Praise overflow parking, and you kind of turn into the alley, uh, Onward House has purchased all of these storefronts, and so they're going to be doing a lot of construction and fixing their buildings. So that parking lot is going to be utilized for their construction. So it's going to be closed for at least the next 12 weeks. So uh, we're going to go back to just having that one parking lot. Let's all be happy and cheerful, finding parking wherever we possibly can, and coming to church early to get that spot. So just want to make sure that you guys don't park there starting next Sunday. And then hopefully when they're all done renovating and doing their thing, it will be open back up to us. So we'll keep you posted, okay? Let's recite this together. Luke 6, 38. Jesus said, give and it will be given to you. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your faithfulness, Lord. And we just want to be completely pleasing and honorable to you in our finances. We choose you as our master, not our money. So receive this tithe. Receive these offerings, God, as a, as a sacrifice to you, God, as a pleasing aroma. I pray that you would meet our needs according to your glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Have your way, Lord. We want to reach the city. We want to reach the nations for you, God. So use it. Multiply it for your kingdom. And we want souls. God, we ask for souls in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen. Please come forward as you give this morning. And thank you so much for your generosity.
All right, how many are ready today for some ordination? Amen, amen, amen. We're so excited that you're here today, your family and uh, the family and friends that have come, for those that are being ordained, we're so excited. For those that are new, what ordination is for us is the graduation of our 201 discipleship class. So every single week, you guys come here and you hear connect, mentor, send. Everybody say connect. Everybody say mentor. Everybody say send. Okay, so every time connect, mentor, send, this is what we do. We connect through the church services and life groups. We get mentored by the 101, 201, and we send out elders and deacons to start new life groups and do more discipleship. So the cycle of love keeps continuing. So those of you who are in the 101, make some noise. Who's in the 101? All right. How many of you are in the 201? Woo, awesome. So then those are the ones that are in it. And then how many graduated elders and deacons do I have here? Yeah, see, they're real. See, there's actually more 101ers, but they were louder than you 101ers. See, that's what I'm talking about, elders and deacons. They're about it. Trust me, there's more of the 101ers than them, but they're so loud and radical. So here's the deal. Today we are graduating those from the 201 class. They have been mentored. They're ready to be sent like Hayuken. You know, like in Street Fighter, they're ready to be sent out. Some of you all don't know about Street Fighter. That's okay. A ball of fire comes out when they do that. And so we are sending them out to be leaders and world changers and history makers and roof breakers. Just quickly turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Timothy chapter 3. That, you know, you can see in the Bible where this tradition comes from. 1 Timothy chapter 3 teaches us what it's like when we give our heart to Jesus and want to become a leader. When we want to become a leader, we trust in the Lord and we enable, he's enabled us to become all that he's called us to be. Can you put up what I'm looking for there? And Ellie, would you help them, please? What we need to do when we come to church is we need to see what can we do for God? What can we do to give back? And the Lord has done so much in our lives that we need to be honest with him today and say, Lord, what can I do to give back? And really what these uh, people here today have done is they've said, you know what, I'm going to give back my life. I'm going to be a servant. I'm going to give it all for Jesus. And so I want you just to turn here with me to 1 Timothy uh, chapter 3, and we're going to look at this passage where he talks about the leadership of the church. Everybody say deacons. Now, you know, if I get dressed up in a suit, you know it's something important, right? You guys know that. So if you are new here and you're thinking I dress up like this every week, you would be mistaken. I do not dress up like this hardly ever in my life. And the only time I really want to do something exciting like this is when I see what God is doing in our church. And that's why I'm like this today, because I want to honor them. It's like a really fun, exciting time for us. So look at 1 Timothy chapter 3, and let's start around verse 11. And you'll be able to see what happened here when they raised up these awesome leaders. Uh, let's start here in verse 8. In the same way, deacons are to be worthy of respect. Everybody say, worthy of respect. See, that's what we're talking about here. Now, that word deacon simply means servant, okay? So I don't know what kind of church background our visitors are from, but let me just help you understand the New Testament church model. The New Testament church model is elder and deacon. And those are the people that are leading in the church. Now, a lot of times we think about pastors, and those are the leaders. But you see, elders uh, are really the, the, another word for pastor in, in our culture. But that didn't become a popularized term to way later on. In the early church, when the Bible was written, the most popular term 
was overseers and deacons or elders and deacons. And so I am an elder, okay? So you call me Pastor Joe. And the reason why that is is because in Ephesians chapter 5, the Bible says that he gives elders gifts. So as an elder, I have a gift. And there's five gifts that he can give the church. Apostles, those are people who start the churches. Prophets, those who hear on behalf of God and speak those words to others. Evangelists, those who go out and preach uh, to new people continually, not just in one location. And then pastors, those who shepherd and those who make disciples in a local congregation. And then teachers, those who write the materials and those who uh, instruct us. And so those five gifts are actually the gifts that God gives to elders and to deacons and primarily to the elder, to the one that's overseen. And see, these words are very simple when you look at it like this, overseer and deacon. And uh, deacon just simply means servant. And so if you could just simplify church to the most basic principles, what it is, is it's disciples coming. And how many people believe the Bible talks about disciples? Okay, some of you may say you're a Christian, and that's wonderful because we are Christ-like. But the word Christian is only used two times in the New Testament. Over 250 times is the word disciple, okay? So you have a lot of people checking off on their senses, I'm a Christian. You know, I'm not a Muslim, I'm, I'm, not this, I'm a Christian. But it means nothing to them. See, a disciple is a follower of Jesus Christ. And so what the church is, just simply, is disciples gathering together, two or three into, and into place. God says, I'm there. So you can have a church with two or three. And Nancy and I started there. Believe me, God was there. He showed up. I'm glad we have more than two or three now. Can I get a what, what? Okay, so disciples are coming, and who are the ones doing the work? Elders, deacons. That's the passage here of 1 Timothy chapter 3 talking about elders. And our deacons can become elders if they continue to serve and do what God's called them to do. And once again, things like pastoring, teaching, starting churches, like apostles and prophets, all of those gifts are given uh, to elders and deacons to lead in the church. And so in the same way, just like you would respect an elder, that's what's the context here, in the same way you would respect a deacon, I mean an elder, you ought to respect a deacon because they're worthy of respect. Everybody say worthy of respect. Thank you. And they're not to indulge in much wine, not pursuing dishonest gain. How many don't want a drunk deacon? Amen. You don't want a drunk deacon just deacon around. What do you do? I'm a deacon and I deacon around and I drink all the time and here I am. No, you, you don't want a messed up person like that, right? Now, it doesn't say they can't drink. It says they cannot indulge in much wine. That's our definition of drunkenness, much wine. And if you don't know what drunkenness is, just watch a YouTube video of somebody who's drunk. That's what drunk looks like, okay? Jesus drinking wine at the wedding did not look like that guy at, at the party, okay, or last night, wherever you were, okay? How many know what drunkenness is, okay? So they can't be indulging in much wine, not pursuing dishonest gain. That means they can't have a shady reputation on the job. They can't be uh, stealing or ripping off people. They must hold to the deep truths of the faith. Here's a very important qualification. They have to hold to the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience, okay? So as we did our confession of faith, that's what we as Christians, disciples, believe. You know, I believe in God the Father. I believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Holy Spirit. We believe in the church built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons. What we're saying is we believe upon those gifts and those offices that, that God's building the church. So they have to 
to hold these deep truths. They have to hold them. And this is that tradition that goes all the way back to the apostles. So I, I don't need a pope to hold this tradition. I just need elders and deacons to hold this position. Now, sometimes I talk like this and people get offended. And they go, don't you know we got Catholic friends and relatives? Well, I got Catholic friends and relatives. That doesn't mean it's right. Some of you are Cubs fans and you have Sox relatives. That doesn't make them right, okay? And, and we got to pray for the Cubs now because, once again, the Cubs fans who love the lovable losers have got to say this saying again. We'll win next year, next year. You know what I'm saying? They got to go back to that. So we got to we got to pity our Cubs friends here. But that, that just because you know somebody that you love that believes something like it doesn't matter. Look at the Bible. Don't get mad at me. Look at the Bible and show me if you can find a cardinal. Show me if you can find the pope. Show me that. This is all I see in the Bible, elders and deacons. And so when we talk about the tradition of the church, we're not talking about people wearing robes and incense. You don't see that anywhere in the Bible. What you find is this disciples holding that truth and preaching it from one generation to the next generation to the next generation to the next that's how the tradition is passed down amen and that's why we're here today you know we're here because they passed down the tradition okay so these deacons are here serving in that way and they have a clear conscience okay that means they've been forgiven of their sins and they know that Jesus is alive and well in them so they're serving by examples like if you have questions you can come to them if you want to know about forgiveness of sins you can ask them and say how do I know I can be forgiven? How do I know I can pray and, and these things? Now, this says they first must be tested. How many of the deacons graduating today were tested? See, we teach them and we test them. Now, some people think the church shouldn't have testing, that whoever comes in and wants to be a leader can be a leader. You know what I'm saying? Well, does that work at the dental office? Can I just show up at the dental office and go, I'm here, I want to be a dentist? I think it's really fun. Would you go to a heart surgeon and you, and you go there and you ask him, did you go to school? And he said, no, I just showed up today because I just wanted to do it. I thought it was cool. Would you trust the guy on the construction site building the bridge over the 90, all these bridges and constructions being done, if he just showed up and said, I don't have an engineering degree. I just thought this would be cool. I played with this stuff when I was a kid. You know, the, uh, you know, the Tonka trucks, I thought I could build something here. Well, it's the same way in church. You have to be tested. In the, in, the, in the prior passage here when it talks about elders, it said that they must be men worthy of respect, that they must have a good reputation, and that people must know that they're not a new believer and that they're, that they're seasoned, that they've had time to show that their life is uh, worthy of following, worthy of that respect. And so in our church, we take that serious. Some are graduating here, and they were in the 201 for three years. It took them three years for God to work on them and to teach them. Some are, have done it in less than a year. But that process has been, been between them and God, and we're celebrating that today. They must first be tested, and if there is nothing against them, let them serve as deacons, okay? So that means that you shouldn't be able to point to our deacons today and say they're hypocrites. Because how many are tired of hip hypocrites in the church? Now, once again, don't get mad at me. I'm the pastor telling you I'm tired of hypocrites, right? So how do we fix the problem of hypocrites? We stop doing stuff that's not in the Bible, stop making up stuff, and then we start doing what the Bible says, and then we say, are you doing it? And then you got to keep your word and say, yeah, I'm going to do it. So when you look at me, I shouldn't be doing shady stuff, okay? So I picked on the Catholics a little bit, but I'll pick on my own people, televangelists, these pastors stealing money, right, building their big buildings, not taking care of the poor. Well, see, those are not people. 
people worthy of respect. They're not worthy of leadership. So here you have one group of people running into a ditch saying it's all about somebody feeding you communion and talking in a dark closet, confessing your sin. Not in the Bible. And then you have other just flamboyant people in church making up stuff as they go along, using and abusing the church. That's not in the Bible. True leadership looks like people who love God and love people who keep the commands, all right? They follow the word of God, and then they lead out of that heart of servanthood. So there's nothing against this. So as you see them coming up here, you shouldn't be able to say, oh, man, I know that they're a drunkard, or I know that they're stealing money, or I know that they're having sex outside of marriage, or I know that they're beating up their wife and, you know, whatever. You shouldn't be able to say any of that. How many believe we need examples in our culture again? And if you see any of our deacons deacon around, you come talk to me. Amen? Okay. In the same way, the women are to be worthy of respect, not malicious talkers, but temper and trustworthy in everything. How many believe that there's too much gossiping in the church? So the deacons should put a stop to it. The women that are here, they should put a stop to it. No more talking about what Sister Sally wore to church. No more talking about this and that. Hey, you know what? If you have a problem, you talk to that person. So the deacon is there to be a problem solver, a peacemaker. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons and daughters of God. A deacon must be faithful to his wife and must manage his children and whole household well. How many believe that we need to have godly families again? Amen. You need to live right at home. So it's not just what I do holding the microphone. It's what I do at home when I go home today. How do I treat my kids? How do I treat them? That's for the leaders of the church. And then lastly, look at what it says here. This is a promise. I didn't make this up. This is for the deacons. This is the real deal today, okay? This is a promise for your relatives, for your friends, for those we're cheering on today. Those who have served well gain an excellent standing and great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus. There's a reward for their labor, okay? It's hard working in the church and helping out. Trust me, I understand. I've been doing this for 20 years, and that's why I'm graying at 38. Are you listening to me? I got more gray than some of you older people here. But that's because it's not always easy. It's not always just this laughs and giggles in the church. But if we serve God's people here, God says we'll be blessed when we get up there. And so this is now a challenge to everybody here today. If Metro Praise is your church, become a part of the discipleship process. Set this as your goal. You may say, Pastor, I'm not ready. It'll take me years to get there. Well, I'll meet you when you get there because I'm not going anywhere. Amen. So take your time. Start that journey. And if Metro Praise is not your church, go find a good church and go be a leader there. Go be a helper. See, servant leaders are deacons. A leader that serves. Go do that somewhere. Because God says, not Joe, the word of God says, you'll get excellent standing and great assurance in your faith in Jesus Christ. Can I hear an amen? You know, so often at weddings I offend people. So often at these ordinations I offend people. And I think it's only because I know there's friends and family here, and I want to clarify what we do. It's not my intention to offend, but I want to clarify this one more time to you. What your sibling, what your friend or loved one is doing here today is more important than what the Pope or what any religious figure does, in my opinion. What you're talking about today is why people get beheaded in ISIS-ran countries in Syria. This is the church of Jesus Christ. If you would go back in time 2,000 years ago or travel to another part of the world, this is how the church is built. It's built upon elders and deacons. It's built upon disciples, period. And what they have said is, I'm going to serve. Now, you know that takes a lot of courage. That takes an awful lot of courage, doesn't it? Because now I want to just speak to them as they get ready to come forward here today. That you know what? Those of you who have taken your time to be discipled, to say we will learn what the Bible teaches. 
will do it as adults. Some are older than their own teachers. Those who have taken the time to do that, we want to say to you, thank you. We want to say that we appreciate everything that you have done. And I want to name your name before I call you up. And I just want to give you a word because when we call you up, we want to clap and take pictures. But I want to say just a few words to each one of the graduates here today. I want to start off by saying to Nicole Marie that we love you and that we are proud of everything that you have done. And we have seen that your mother's also a deacon. And I think that's pretty awesome. And we know that you're in a relationship with Rudy, another deacon, and we believe that God is going to bless you and use you in mighty ways. Let's give the Lord a hand clap. Amen. And we're just going to clap. We're excited. Lada, Lada came all the way from Brazil from another discipleship-based church. You can talk to her and say, is Metro Praise crazy? She'd be like, no, they fit right in in Brazil. That's how we do it. That's how we do it in Brazil. Okay. She found us online, and she came right into the class. She became a fast learner, and I didn't even know until after she was ready to graduate that she was actually a leader at her other church. And what this spoke to me is that sometimes people come into the church and they say, you know, I'm this and I'm that. And that's not the way God told us to do. We're supposed to be humble. Yet this person was a leader. She was ordained and functioning in her local body in, in Brazil, leading and teaching over there. And yet she came here and just humbly did it. Laura, a lot of, I just want to thank you for your humble servant's heart. It has blessed me and my wife so much. Ulysses, one of our young men in the back, look at this, guys. He is so awesome. Ulysses dresses like this almost every Sunday, outdressing the preacher. I told him, I said, I don't get dressed often, but when I do, I have to have a shiny silk shirt on. But you look so good. I know you come always respectable, and we are ready to appoint you to be a leader. See, instead of being in a gang, having people look up to you or doing something else, you've decided to put God first. And I know whatever now you do, he's going to bless you. This is the kind of leadership we need in our young men. Amen. And right in that same breath, Curtis Hoyos. Where is Curtis at? So proud of Curtis. Curtis, would you just stand up? Look at him. Just an awesome man of God. Curtis came to us via his family who has now moved to Florida, but he has stuck through it. He has gone through the discipleship class, humbled himself, became teachable, and volunteers on Wednesday nights with the children's ministry, bringing his daughter and teaching other children. Those are the kind of men that we can look up to in this culture. Amen. And last but not least, we have Bertha, one of our favorites. Right, let's give it up for Bertha. Would you please stand? We're so proud of you, Bertha. Bertha will unashamedly tell you that I was in the class for three years, but it was only for my growth. She didn't take it personal. She didn't take it as an offense. She said, I want to grow, I want to change, and I want to be a great leader. And already people are following her. She's setting forth a great example for other single moms and people that have come from a similar background. She's a working woman. She's a professional woman. And she's a woman of integrity and worthy of respect. Amen? Praise God. Thank you. So when we ordain them today in this local church, that's what we're saying. So we're not saying today that church isn't important, that tradition isn't important, no. But we're saying the right kind of tradition is. And so I just want to ask everybody here to check your heart, please. Before I start preaching, I want to preach before I preach. Can I do that? I just want to ask us, are we really the leaders God called us to be? Are we really doing what we're called to do? Because when Jesus came to the earth, he didn't look for the doctors, the lawyers, the politicians. He looked for fishermen. He looked for anybody that would follow him and come after him. Some were prostitutes. Some were just mothers, just working women. And he, he used them to change the world. And those are the people you're seeing today. They're changing the world. And before we go on today, we need to ask God, have I, 
accepted my call to change the world? Have I said, Lord, use me. Here I am. Because that's how they motivate me. When I woke up this morning, I said, Lord, I'm coming with your soldiers today. I'm celebrating with your warriors. They may not ever always do everything perfect, but they're people I can depend on. They're people that I can send hurting people to to get help. And they're people that will be there for others and lift them up and pray for them and love them and the children and the young people and everybody in their life will be thankful. Amen. Well, let's get this party started, starting off with our first one graduating today, Nicole Marie. Come on up. God bless you. We got we to gotta get our stuff together. We're going to do it again. There you are, Griselda. Bring them all up over here and set them down. Oh, I'm so thankful for her. Give a testimony while we're waiting to get our stuff. Oh, man. So God has totally just transformed my life from the inside out. I mean, I was totally broken down, just disgusted until I was invited by one of my really good friends, Christina, to just come to MPI, just check us out. I totally fell in love with the church. Um, fell in love, got discipled, but then something happened. I totally just put God to the back burner, and I said, you know what, life is, I want life. I want to go back to my life. Like, this is too hard. Um, discipleship is way too hard. I can't do this. Um, and I left. I left for, I believe, a year. I fell back into the sin that I was already in before that, um, and I turned my back away from God. And then throughout that time that I was away from God, like, he was there the whole time. I mean, I just felt him on me the whole time. I was just convicted the whole time. Anything I did, I was just like, no, this is not right. In fact, I even tried to convince the person that I was with, like, there's more to life than this. Like, you need to go back to God. Like, I can't do this anymore. I made a call to Christina, I remember. And I was like, Christina, I got to get out of this relationship. It's not for me. It's not godly. I need to come back. And then that Sunday, came back, been here since. Um, um, I have a wonderful man of God that's in my life. Um, <laughs> um, I have, you know, a great, I have a family that's proud of me. Um, I just, everything's just working out to my favor with God. But let me just tell you, it hasn't been easy. You know, this, there's been storms that have come my way. Work has been tough. Life has been crazy. Um, but you know what? God is first. And you know what? He will always prevail through everything. And the storms have passed. And yet many more will come. But you know what? I will stand strong. And I'm not going anywhere. So I'm just very grateful for that. Come on. Amen. And I only introduced you by your Facebook name because I didn't have my thing in front of me. Sorry. Nicole Marie Rodriguez. Let's give it up for Ulysses Muniz. I'll let you guys all share a quick word. Amen, amen. Well, my testimony is quite long, but I'll give you a glimpse of it. Um, you know, back I came uh, back in the 2013, back in the summer of September. And before that, you know, I had such a lost identity. I didn't know who I belonged to. I tried to put my identity into people, into, you know, girls, into violence and all this stuff. And, and I didn't realize who I was. Until, you know, uh, people here are telling me, man, your identity is in Christ. It belongs to Jesus Christ. And I'm like, how? You know, and they give me scriptures. You know, I remember Brother Jose, you know, I'm at the gym and he's telling me, dude, if you want to follow Jesus, you got to be all the way in. You can't have one foot in the world, one foot in, into the kingdom of God. You know, it's, that's not how it is. God would spit you out of his mouth. And I'm like, man, I don't want to be spit out of God's mouth. 
I want to follow Jesus all the way. You know, I want to be a disciple. So I deny myself, pick up my cross, and ever since then, the salvation, man, I've just been carrying it, you know, telling people about Jesus Christ, you know, being in the game ministry and Elevate, just doing so much for, for God's glory, you know. So praise the Lord for what God's done. <laughs> hey, let's have you take off that tag right there. Let's give it up for Lada Dennis. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to try to be quick. Uh, so in 2013, I came to United States to study English. <laughs> that was the whole, the whole purpose for it. I moved to Seattle and I lived there. I found an amazing church, I mean, Brazilian church. <laughs> And I kind of gave up of American church. I visited some churches. I was like, I don't like this. I don't, I don't know if it, it's right or so. So I, did, I kind of gave up. So I looked for a Brazilian church, and I was there. But then um, last year, God made me, <laughs> literally moved to Chicago. And when I came to Chicago, I was looking for churches, and, uh, and I couldn't find at that time. So when I came to Metrophrase, I was like, uh, okay, you know, before coming, I prayed. And I was like, if this is the church, God shows me. And then I came to church, and I was sitting there, and God just confirmed my heart. You know, like, it's here. And it was really challenging the first time because it was like everything in English. And I wasn't feeling so comfortable. But God gave me amazing friends, amazing, like this family. Like, my family is not here today, but I have this Amazing family that I believe so. <laughs> so. Amen. We are your family. And she's getting her doctorate at what? Chicago? Where are you getting your doctorate? UIC. Awesome. So proud of you. So proud of you. Curtis Hoyos. Come on down, man of God. All right. Um, I came from a broken relationship with my daughter's mother, and um, it was just hard. I was in a terrible place, and I'm like, man, I don't want to live like this anymore. I was just lusting over other girls, being drunk and doing drugs, and I was like, God, you know, I just want you to take this from me. So I just want to say with a willing heart, you know, I, I surrendered my will and I gave it to God. And, and it just comes to show you what God could truly do in your life, just truly transform you into the person that I am now. And I just give all the glory and thanks to God. I want to thank Pastor Berto and Pastor Jared for being so patient with me and faithful. And, and it is just great, this church, Pastor Joe. I love you all. Thank you. Amen. Thank you, brother. And let's give it up for last but not least, Bertha Diaz. Woo! I'm just so, so grateful because four years ago, um, I was invited to a Bible study and I sat down and I listened to all these women just telling me that the things that they were going through was just like, oh my gosh, like, aren't they Christian? Like, aren't they supposed to be better or, or something? 
And then they just showed me, like, no, you just have to believe in Jesus. And I gave my life to, to Christ, um, was discipled by Monica. Um, I really wish she'd be here to see me getting ordained. But I know she's, I know she's been praying for me. And just these whole four years has just been amazing. Came from a broken, broken place of abuse in my life, in my past, and and just he restored my heart and and just brought me just into tears and humility of how much love he has for for each one of us. It's just it's so immense. Just I just wish I could like tell each one of you guys like how much. It's just amazing. And I'm just like three years going to 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 one. Of course, there was discouragement at times. Like, will I ever graduate? But I graduate. <laughs> I'm graduating. I'm just faithful and I'm just yeah, believing that God just keeps on growing me every day. Would you guys just come and face me, please? We're going to pray for them with the other elders and deacons here. If you guys could just face me, you've heard our charge from the word of God. This is what we're commanded to do. You guys want to do that, right? Amen. Amen. Here we are together in the Lord's harvest. Sometimes sheep bite, but most of the time they're really nice. Amen. So these people back here are going to be your friends. They're going to love you and help you to be a great leader. And as you serve them, just remember that Jesus always preferred a towel more than a title. When Jesus was at the Last Supper, he didn't boast that he was the Messiah. He took off his robe, took out a towel, and he washed the disciples' feet. That is the example of a servant. And the Bible says, uh, Jesus told us, that the greatest among us would be, our, would be the servants. And so here we are together serving God. And I just want to thank you on behalf of my wife. If, Nancy, you could come as well now. We are so thankful. We want to work with you and serve with you. You have our word that we will walk before the Lord respect worthy that we will not break our word to you. If you ever see us break our, our word to you, you can punch me or slap me, amen, but that's not going to happen. Nancy, would you come up here? We're going to live for God to the day we die. We're going to do it everything that we have with our best, uh, with, with the best strength that we have, and hopefully we'll lead by example. When we're wrong, we'll say we're sorry, and I think some of you have already had to say how sorry too. And you know what? God is going to use you in great ways, so get ready for an exciting journey. And now the elders and deacons, would you come around them, place your hand on their shoulder. Congregation, would you just stretch forth your hand as a sign of agreement as we prepare to pray and do what the apostles did 2,000 years ago and appoint our leaders in this church at this season. Father, we thank you for these deacons. We thank you for the servants who have said, I will help. I will serve in the house of God. Lord, they have trusted you for their salvation, and now, Lord, they're trusting you for leadership. Lord, to now go out and make other disciples, to make a difference in this world, to show a broken community what it's like to be healed, to show a world that doesn't trust what it's like to trust again, to show a community what it's like to love again, to show a world that's confused about doctrine and their belief, to point them back to Jesus again and the deep truth of the faith, and to show people, God, that it's not in religiosity that you're impressed, but it's with the heart of a servant. For you came and served us. You, the Son of God, took on flesh and washed a fisherman's feet. Let these servants of yours now wash the feet of the people here. May they be leaders in their servanthood, God. And may their families and friends, God, be proud 
proud of them for what they have dedicated their lives to. Lord, may they support them and encourage them and not gossip with them or have problems with the church, but Lord, uh, may they solve problems together and support them, husbands and wives and friends together, because Lord, if the church does well, our nation will do well, and you will come back and reward us one day. I believe that, Lord, that on the foundation of your church, you build strong families and strong nations. For it's in your name we pray, Christ's name, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. Would you stand up and give Jesus a hand clap of praise? Hallelujah. We bless the Lord. Come on, stand up and give Jesus, the Lord of lords and King of kings, who's worthy of the glory, the hand clap, who we all serve. Amen. We all serve Jesus. Amen. Would you stay standing as these deacons do an about face? We're going to put on some party music. These guys are going to part ways, and we're going to let you come take some pictures with them right now. Would you come forward, greet your family, your friends? Come on, tell them congratulations. We know that you guys came out here to support them. Take some pictures. Go ahead and put that party music up a little bit, por favor. Gracias, Señor.
Yes. Those of you who are grabbing your seats, let's open up our Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Take a few more pictures. We're not in a hurry. Today's a great day to be here. We could take more pictures afterwards. Would you hook this up for me, por favor, hermano? Gracias. Love you, my brother. Please take your time. There you go. Matthew chapter 6, we are finishing the uh, Kingdom of God series today. And the Kingdom of God has been about Jesus and his kingdom. Keep taking pictures. It's okay. I'll preach. I just don't want the rest of you to get upset. We stay here until 1230. But please hang out as long as you want. Open up your Bibles with me to uh, the book of Matthew chapter 6. Everybody say the Kingdom of God. Thank you. This whole entire month and the month of September, we were talking about the kingdom of God. Next month, we're going to talk about abiding in Christ. How many believe we should abide in Christ? John chapter 15, if you want to get a head start, talks about the vine abiding in the, uh, the branch, abiding in the vine. And we are supposed to be those vines, uh, the branches in Christ. Finishing up today, though, we're going to be talking about what is possibly the most exciting part about the kingdom of God is that one day the kingdom is coming upon earth. I'm going to explain some of those things to you as we get ready to, uh, after we read our scripture. But let's look at this and let's get to the kingdom coming. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 says, Our Father, let's read this together. One, two, three. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Come on, say amen. Amen. If you are new with us today, a lot of you are visiting, here is our definition of the kingdom of God as we see it in the Bible. The kingdom of God is the Father's dominion over all creation, ruled by His Son and our King, Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit. So somebody say the Father. Somebody say the Son and the Holy Spirit. You see, the Father's dominion, the Father is the one that used the Son to rule over us, but it's the Father's kingdom that the Son rules. And how does Jesus Christ rule the kingdom? He does it through the Holy Spirit. And that's why the Bible says right now you and I can enter the kingdom of God. When you look back up at this Lord's Prayer, what do you notice? All of these things that Jesus taught us to ask for, we can have today. He told us to pray for daily bread. How many have had some daily bread? Maybe toast, a bagel, a croissant? Anybody have a croissant this morning? I had a croissant this morning. I am very special. I am spoiled. We had some leftover from yesterday. My wife brought two for herself. While she was eating the one, I took the other one, and I ate her croissant. But I am so happy I did that. How many are going to go out to eat afterwards today, okay? Is anybody starving in here? We'll make sure to feed you. You can go to Isha's house and eat some of his food. He has too much. No, I'm kidding. I'm, I'm so sorry. I pick on you way too much. I'm so sorry. Do you forgive me, Robin? Kind of, sort of. No, you're okay. You, okay, you need food for the baby, but do you forgive me? Okay, thank you. So if, if you need food, we'll help you out. But most of us, we have bread. So look at that. That's happening. How many of you have been forgiven of your debts or forgiven of your sins? The Lord's forgiven you. That's happened. How many of you have had, had the Lord deliver you from temptation and evil? You know, he's, he's shown you another path. You don't have to do this. Here's another way out. Okay? So let me ask you a question. If we're having daily bread today, if we're having forgiveness of sins today, if the Lord is not leading us into temptation today, then where is God's kingdom in earth today? 
You see, it's supposed to be in us. We were taught in the prior lessons that the kingdom of God is there, but it's also here in us. It's here. The Bible says in John 3, 3, Jesus said to Nicodemus, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. But if I am born again, I see the kingdom of God. And we learned last week that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So where is the Father? He's in heaven. The Son is sitting next to him because he's ascended to heaven after his death, burial, and resurrection uh, from the dead. But the Holy Spirit was sent on the day of Pentecost to live inside of the disciple, the believer, the one who confesses Jesus is Lord. So the kingdom is supposed to be in our lives, and it's supposed to be impacting earth. How many are tired of seeing the devil impact our earth? How many are tired of seeing the pain and the hurt, what other people do to each other because of sin, because of evil? Well, the Bible says that the kingdom should be coming in us and through us, that what's happening up in heaven should be happening in a, in a form in our hearts and then happening down here on earth. So is there perfect peace in heaven? Yes, so there should be peace in our hearts and we should bring peace to mankind. Is there joy in heaven? Come on, are they happy in heaven? There should be joy in our hearts and then we should give it to the world. So what God does to us, he wants to do through us. That's what the whole entire sermon series has been about. So if you just want to catch up on them, here's what you do. You go to mpichurch.org. If you ever forget the website, look at our sound booth. The guys back there are always helping us. And you go to the Kingdom of God series, and you can go all the way back to the very beginning. Every message is there along with the notes. You see that we preached on the kingdom of God for the first week. And then the next week we preached on the kingdom of God part two because I needed some extra help. We talked about seeking first the kingdom of God because the Bible says seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things you need in your life will be added unto you. How many kingdom seekers do I have here today? Do I have money seekers today, bill payer seekers today, you know, sex seekers? No, we should be kingdom seekers because in the kingdom of God is my marriage and I'll have a fulfilled sex life. In the kingdom of God is a good job and my finances will be, my bills will be paid and my finances taken care of. Everybody say, seek the kingdom. Had a part two on that because I got preaching a lot. Then we talked about the power of God in the kingdom. There's real power on the inside of us when we accept Christ. And then righteousness, peace, and joy. And then here we learned about, or rather a couple weeks ago, we learned about the kingdom parable. A kingdom parables last week, all the parables of Jesus pointed to the kingdom of God. So go back and look at those. The Good Samaritan, these different parables, they point us to Jesus. And, the, and, and look at this. Everybody look up at me, please. Good Samaritan, what's it about in the kingdom? Treating people nice. The prodigal son, what's that about in the kingdom of God accepting people back into your life who have hurt you because you've been accepted back into the kingdom after you sin. You see, it's not just we're all prodigal sons. It's that there are people that treat us bad in our lives, and we have to forgive them. What's the kingdom about? Uh, the parable that's about sowing seed on the ground. It's about preaching God's word. We go out farming. I preach the word everywhere I go. Some seed falls on bad ground. They don't want it. Some falls on little cracky ground. They just half want it. Some falls among the weedy ground. They fight with their sin and the good fruit. And then other falls on good ground. They bear 60, uh, 30, 60, 100 fold. See, the, the kingdom of God is all in those parables Jesus told. And now as we get to our conclusion, we're going to talk about the king and his coming kingdom or his kingdom coming. How many are ready for this? Now we know that we're living in the last days. I want you to think about this. If Peter said on the day of Pentecost 2,000 years ago in Acts chapter 2 that this is the beginning of the last days, where are we now? We are literally in the last minutes of the last hour of the last days. 
If 2,000 years ago the Bible said now these things will start being fulfilled upon the earth and Christ will be coming back soon, if that was 2,000 years ago, how much more closer are we to Jesus coming back? Because as surely as he came the first time in a manger, he's coming back the second time as a conquering king riding on a horse. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 24, verse 1. How many want to hear what Jesus has to say? I think he's pretty important. I think Jesus is more important than the newspaper today because they can lie to you, right? They may tell you half-truths. Jesus will never lie to you. Let's look at what Jesus said about the future. While Jesus was walking around with his disciples, Jesus left the temple, 24 verse 1, and he was walking away when his disciples came up to him and called his attention to its buildings. And now they said, do you see all these things? He asked, truly I tell you, not one stone here will be left upon another. Everyone will be thrown down. Now I want you to notice this right here. The disciples are in Jerusalem they look at the big temples and the, uh, the temple and the big buildings there, and then Jesus says, "Do you see these things? Truly, I tell you, not one stone here will be left upon another. Everyone will be thrown down." Jesus spoke this in 30 A.D. In 70 A.D., Romans ransacked Jerusalem and tore down those buildings and temples. Jesus got their attention. Don't you think so? See, Jesus said, "Hey, you see all these buildings? These will not be there. Not one stone will be left upon another." That happened 40 years after Jesus ascended to heaven. I guarantee you, if I was a disciple and I saw that, I would be taking the rest of what Jesus had to say very serious. Now, they're in the moment. They're hearing it all at once. But we can look back at it and see the timeline. Jesus says, hey, you, mean, you guys want me to look at this? Let me tell you about this. This won't be here very long. Now, in verse 3, as Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately, and they said, tell us then, when will this happen? When will this happen, the destruction of these temples, and what will be the sign of your coming, and the end of the age? Do you understand? They asked three questions there. When will this happen? When will these temples be destroyed? When, what will be these signs of your coming, and then how do we know that it's ending, the end of the age? What age are we in right now? We are in the church age. The time of Israel was the time of the Ten Commandments and the time of the nation of Israel for, uh, for 4,000 years. I believe 6,000 years of human history. So 4,000 B.C. is when I believe Adam and Eve were created. For 4,000 years, it was the human history through Israel and the nation. Now God has established the church. God still is blessing the people of Israel. But the church age is how we hear the gospel being preached, not from the nation of Israel, from the church that Jesus described that in, in uh, Matthew chapter 16 that he said the gates of hell will not prevail. He said, I'll build my church. Upon Peter's confession, not the Pope of Peter, but the confession of Peter, Jesus said, who do you say that I am? And he said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he said, upon you, that confession that you have, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Do I have any people confessing the confession of Peter here today? The confession that Jesus is the Christ, right? That started the church age. Everybody say the church age. Three things they wanted to know. When will the temple be destroyed? What is the sign of your coming? And when will this age end? We know that the temple was destroyed in 70 A.D. And the sign in the end of the age, here Jesus begins to talk about. Starting in verse 4, Jesus says, uh, Jesus answered, watch out. Everybody say, watch out. That no one deceives you, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Messiah and will deceive many. The first thing that Jesus tells you that you know we're coming to the end of the age, that the sign, the first sign of the end time that we're coming to the end of the age is that they're going to be deceivers. They're going to be people lying to you and telling you they are Jesus or they will be false prophets saying, I heard something from Jesus, now let me tell you. 
If you look at every religion, they have a so-called prophet that believes he has the, the, the voice of God. Uh, Muhammad said that he saw the angel Gabriel in a cave and that he had the real revelation and he recited it and it was written down into the Quran. You have Joseph Smith who said that Jesus showed to him and said to reestablish another church, to, to make it the, the Church of Mormon. You have false teachers today all around the world that are trying to deceive you. So today, do you see in your time more deception or less deception? More deception as the internet and the information age is going forward. There's more deception. So we're getting closer to the end, aren't we? Look at number six. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you're not alarmed. It's like, thanks, Jesus. I thought you just told me everybody's going to be killing each other. But hey, don't be alarmed. Isn't that the thing I'm supposed to do when they start all killing each other is freak out? But Jesus says, no, such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Do you think we've been fighting less, or do you think we've been fighting more as time has been going on? I will show you that it's been way more, way more, and you and I have probably become numb to the news we're, we're hearing and reading. Look at number seven. Nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. He talks now about there being conflict within nations, that there will be civil wars within nations. There will not be peace within nations among their own people and citizenship. When you look around the world today, do you see a stable world? Do you see stable countries? Or do you see a lot of countries fighting against each other? And the Bible then says there will be famines and earthquakes in various places. Look at the famines of our world today. Look at the earthquakes that are happening in various places and the tsunamis that follow. And then look at what he says in verse 8. All of these are birth pains. Now going on to verse 9, it says, Then you will be handed over, persecuted, and put to death, and be hated by all nations because of me. Do you see what Jesus says will happen in the last days? You will be hated. See, just about 10, 15 years ago, before all of this started happening with ISIS in the Middle East, you didn't even know what was going on in the world. But Christians have been dying this whole time. But now they're dying more. They're dying more rapidly. You're seeing it on TV. So do you see the signs of Jesus coming about? Then look at verse 10. Look at what Jesus predicted, a, a time of apostasy, atheism, agnosticism. Is that not what you see on your college campuses? Among some of our brightest turning their back on God, a nation like America, at that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. People will try to tell you, here's the truth, here's the truth, I know the truth. Look at my book, look at this thing. And they'll deceive people. Verse 12, it says, because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. When you go to work tomorrow, are you going to see Christians that are on fire for Jesus? Or are you going to see a lot of Christians who are lukewarm? They don't really care about God. What culture do you live in today? You live in a lukewarm culture. Why? Because wickedness is increasing so much that the love that they have in their heart for God is dying out. How do they resist the homosexual desires? How do they resist shacking up and living together before they're married? Their culture tells them it's okay. How do they resist listening to people like Lady Gaga, Little Wayne, when the music sounds so good? Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of people will grow cold. But look at verse 13, but the one who stands to the end, everybody say, I'm going to stand. Look what it says, but the one who stands to the end will be saved. So whoever is going to be in these generations and in these last days, you better stand. And I believe we're here today. Let's stand. And look at the last sign that he gives us right here. He says in verse 14, he says, and this gospel will be preached to the end of the world. This gospel of the what? This gospel of the what? Joe's gospel? Metro Praise's gospel? No, the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations. And then the end will come. 
If you weren't keeping track, there's eight signs that Jesus listed that would tell you when the end of the age would come. Three questions the disciples asked. Very simple, three questions. When will these things happen? Number two, what will be the sign of your coming? And number three, what's the end of the age? Now he gave you these signs. False Christ. There are hundreds around the world today. Many of you may not know this, but we're going to the Philippines here in March, and one of the books that I have written is against the false prophet Apollo Quibloy. Apollo Quibloy believes that he is Jesus Christ in the flesh. He lives in the Philippines. And you may say, Pastor, this guy's an idiot. Well, of course he is, but you know what makes it scary? Is that he has hundreds of thousands of followers. He's not just somebody who says, oh, I just believe in Jesus. No, he's somebody that goes around and devour Philippines and says, I am Jesus. And this is his church. This is his congregation. Thousands of people flocking to what they believe is the Filipino Jesus. Have you heard of the Puerto Rican Jesus? He ended up dying, but they had him being worshipped in Miami. He said he was Jesus. There's also another cult today where she believes she was married to Jesus, and so if she was married to Jesus, that must mean she's the mother of God. It's called the Church of God, the, not the Church, uh, it's, it's short for the Church of God, but it's this cult, and I'm going to show it to you. It's, I call it the Mother God cult, but it's the Mission Society. And this cult right here claims to have a million followers as well, people that believe that this woman is God. Let me put it in here. The woman, the, let me put the mother God cult. How many want to see her? How many want to see the supposed mother God cult? You guys are like, Pastor, why do you talk about this? Because I don't want you to be deceived. I've already run into these people here in Chicago. They have over a million followers. This is what they do. They go around. They'll sell things to you. They do it in the name of charity. Apollo Quibloy's people do it the same way. The Worldwide Society Church of God believes in God the mother. This is her down here at the bottom. And she says that she was once married to Jesus. Now somehow Jesus died and never raised again. So that husband is dead because he's a liar. And now she's alive. And you say, well, they're just idiots. No, that's their conference. And that's how many people they have. You, my friend, are alive at the most popular time in history for people to call themselves Jesus. Never before have this many people been popularized to call themselves Jesus. Number two, we see wars and rumors of wars. How many believe that there's some wars going on right now? You might say, well, Pastor, that's easy for Jesus to predict, okay? There's going to be problems. Do you know that there's been over 120 major wars just since World War II? You probably haven't even been paying attention. They They come across so often and so frequently. There's been wars in Russia. Did you know that the whole entire Soviet Union fell apart and that they were in war for many, many years, 10 years? Talk to our Romanian brother here who had to escape from Romania. But most of us in the West weren't even paying attention. Do you know that Israel had to fight a war against almost the entire Middle East in 1948? All of them were trying to destroy them. Syria, Iraq, Egypt. Do you know that there's been wars all throughout Uh, Burma and Southeast Asia. Do you know that right now the different nations like Tibet are fighting for their freedom and trying to rebel against China? These are just things that happened after World War II, the Korean War, all of these things that I can go on 120, not even to mention down here. This This is just Wikipedia for you. Then you can go to 2011 to the present 
And you can see the wars that are going on right now. The Libyan civil war, the nation rising against nation, the Libyan civil war, the Syrian civil war, the Sudanese conflict. You know, a lot of times people have a problem with Christians, and they say Christians came here, took the land from the Indians, etc., etc., and then they want to now say that, you know, Christianity is bad. And what, what you don't understand is that Christianity has liberated people. Where Islam is still in power, there is still sex trafficking and slavery right now. Have you heard of Sudan? Have you paid attention? You think it's better in other places of the world? You have no idea what's going on, my friends. The world that you live in today is a totally different world than the world around the place. Have you, have you seen Hotel um, Rwanda where the people, the Hutsis and the Tutsis, killed each other? If I got their name wrong, forgive me. They killed each other based on their own race and ethnicity by the tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands. This is what the Bible says, wars and rumors of wars, nation rising up against nation. How about poverty? How about right now in the world? You might say, well, Jesus could have said that. There will always be poor people. But how is it right now in America we have more food than we've ever had? We're more obese than any generation on the planet Earth, yet there's still 850 million people starving. There's two reasons. There's American greed, and then there's Islamic conflict, or there's communist conflict. So we're, we're eating too much, not giving like we should. And then the places we try to give to, because I have missionary friends that we try to give to in Mozambique, the warlords steal from us, the missionaries, and they oppress their own people. So it's greed on our side for not giving, and it's oppression of Islam and communism, two greatest threats to human um, thriving around the world. You may say earthquakes. Well, we've always had earthquakes. This is not even from a Christian website. You can look at this. Live science. I made sure when I put the links up here, you could check them any way you wanted to and, and test my word. Between 1900 and 2004, the average le yearly rate of earthquakes of a magnitude 8 and larger was 0.65. In the past 10 years, that rate jumped to 1.8, an increase of a factor of 3. That's three times the amount of earthquakes just in the last 10 years. And now they're having more devastating results because of civilizations building along these fault lines and all of these different things. Anybody see the San Andreas movie, The Rock? See what I'm talking about? It could happen anytime. On a serious note, you look at Christian persecution. How many were, were, were shocked when you saw what was going on with ISIS in Syria and Iraq and the beheadings? But do you know that right now 322 Christians on average are being killed a year? I mean a, a day? And that 3,000 are being killed a year? That 214 churches are, of properties are being destroyed? 772 acts of violence are being done against Christians? The worst being North Korea and all the other Islamic countries, listen, that are being ruled by Sharia law, turning away from God. Do I need any statistics or can I just put up here the Jersey Shore, the Kardashians, your favorite movie star or your favorite sports star? What, Lamar Odin from the Kardashians now OD'd in a prostitute place? I mean, come on, this is the world we live in. And it's increasing. Nobody's apologizing anymore. Now we call it pride. Uh, take pride in my sin. Take pride in what I'm doing. I wonder when they're going to have pride for liars and pride for murderers and pride for all these other things. Increase of wickedness. Three things you'll show you your world is wicked. Abortion. 3,000 children aborted a day. Look, at we're the, richest, we're the richest we've ever been, yet we're killing children. Even our grandparents in the Great Depression didn't do this. Hello, somebody. All of us who came from rural communities. I went to Isha's family in Chilapa, Mexico, Nayarit. Beautiful. We, we, we've lost our sense. People growing up in villages knew not to kill their children. We now live in mansions, and we're killing our children. We have air conditioning. We have cars. We have all, and we kill our children. And we, we're so numb to this. We think it's politics. No, it's the devil. Right. Homosexuality, we think it's now like it's the norm. What, my, my friends, the Bible called it a sin. Get mad at me if you want. And then the violence of the streets. We have to have gang outreaches. 
We have to reach out to these young people because Chicago has been called Chirac. Do you think this is normal? Do you think 50 years ago this was happening? What has happened to us, my friends, the increase of wickedness? We've left the foundation of God, and now we're suffering the problem. Go to your house today, if you don't believe me, and start banging on the foundation of your house and see how long it stands. Jesus then said the gospel would be preached to all the nations. Do you know that right now the gospel is being preached more than it ever has been before? Do you know that Brazil is the largest Pentecostal nation in the world? Do you know that right now China has uh, one of the largest growing churches in the world with over 100 million Christians? While we're sitting here complaining about going to church, they're going and preaching the gospel. And the gospel is reaching these unreached people groups and it's growing faster and stronger in other places than it is in America. So we better be careful we don't miss God. Hello. If you want a summary of where we're at right now, I'm not mad at you. I just love you. Amen? But you all came on a good day. I didn't plan this. The Holy Spirit did. This just happened to be our last message. Here's the timeline because everybody likes timelines, right, when you think about the end times. Here's what happened. 33 A.D., Jesus uh, was on the earth. He then died on the cross. He was buried and raised again. Let me get my little mousey here. Let me get my little. There she is. Okay, here we go. 33 A.D. Everybody say 33 A.D. That's Jesus, death, burial, and resurrection, number one. Number two, just uh, a few days later comes the Pentecost, outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Peter's there. He says the last days begin. Then we see number three, that the destruction of the temple happened in 70 A.D., just like Jesus said it would. And then we see the next major thing is the Reformation, the breaking away from the Roman Catholic Church. We see the next major event that happened in, nine, uh, in, in number five is in 1948, Israel became a nation again. I don't even have time to explain to you how amazing that is. For over 1,900 years, the people of Israel didn't even have a nation, but they kept their culture together, and then they get their land back after they almost were exterminated by a crazy man named Hitler who was demon-possessed. Think about that. Why of all the people on the earth would you mess with the Jews? Because the devil knows he's got to try to get rid of the Jewish people, but God protected them and at least let them survive through that. Now, now look where we're at right now. Between this time to now, these are when we're waiting for these signs. From, from the time of 1967, the establishment of Jerusalem in Israel, we are now in these last moments. We, are, we should be expecting the signs to be happening. So you have to be asking yourself, are they happening? Are they increasing? Are the things that Jesus said, all of these things, you go back and read it on your own. Don't take my word for it. Are these things happening, yes or no? And are they increasing? Are they happening and are they increasing? That's what it's going to be like, beginning of birth pains. It's painful, right, women? And then it's painful, then it's painful, then the birth happens. This is what the Bible compared it to. We are in the birth pains. So what are we waiting for, the rapture of the church? We believe that the church will be taken out of the earth. And then for the next seven years, the rise of the Antichrist will come, and then there will be tri tribulation. And I just don't have time to get into all of this, the bowls of wrath. How many have ever read the book of Revelation? Has that scared you? <laughs> well, you don't want to be around for that. Then there's the battle of Armageddon and the second coming of Jesus. There's a white throne judgment. And then there is the new heaven and the new earth. That's what it's going to look like. Check out your Bible. And see if you can line up those dates and times. And I have right here, for your viewing pleasure, I have here an entire series that I did on the end times. I have end times teachings and charts. You can go all through all of these notes and study these things. I got charts upon charts. I got a bunch of different smart people talking about it right there. And then I got all of these things. There's so many more things going on right here. Jewish people, nuclear warfare, it's all talked about in the Bible. Everybody say exciting. And then right here, I preach a whole entire sermon series just on that. Isn't that pretty cool? Amen. You got a good pastor that cares about you. 
In closing, I want you to see this, though. This is the most important thing. Acts chapter 3, verse 19. If you're there, can you please turn there quickly? If, you, if, you're, if you're not there right now, just look up here. Acts chapter 3, verse 19. Um, let me just say this in closing today. I know I gave a lot of information, and I want to end with this. Can I get the band to come up, please? Thank you, friends and family, for coming today. A lot of times when we look at the end times, as you're turning there, I just, as a matter of fact, if everybody could, because I'll read this as you're turning there. Look at this. Nobody likes the notes. I'm going to like it. Can I like my own stuff? Is that okay? I like it. <laughs> like it. He likes it. Oh, Drewski, you liked it too, right with me. Bing. That's cool. Now I want you to see this. Uh, hear this, rather, and then see it in your heart as I, as I read it. The second coming of Jesus was never meant to be about the Antichrist, judgment, signs, prophecies, but it was rather and will always forever be about the establishing of God's kingdom upon the earth through the person of Jesus. I know so often we get caught up in these end times things, and we're like, oh, my gosh, that's scary. I don't even know if I want that to happen, you know? But we forget it's not about scary stuff happening. It's about Jesus coming back. The scary stuff is to remind us that Jesus is getting close. The final place for God's people was never meant to be heaven. We're only there temporarily if we die or our loved ones die. We're only there temporarily. Rather, it's supposed to be on earth, ruling and reigning with Christ. See Revelation 5.10. And that's why I've preached this message to you. And I want you to see this now. In the book of Acts, here's how Peter preached. Peter preached here in Acts chapter 3, verse 19. Listen to what he says. He says, repent then and turn to God. So repent. You're going in this direction. You're going down 90 east, but you're supposed to be headed towards Wisconsin. Repent. Turn around and change directions. That's what it means. Repent of your sins and turn to God that your sins may be wiped out. Now watch this. That times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Here's the good news, my friends. In the midst of a world gone crazy, there's a refreshing from heaven that can be poured out on us. If you feel tired in your life today, if you feel like you're wore out, you're panting, like you've run a marathon, God is saying to you, hey, repent and I will refresh you. And then, look at the big and here in verse 20. It then says, and that he may send the Messiah who he has appointed for you, even Jesus. Do you know that as the world is hearing the gospel of the kingdom, this is the last sign that's to be fulfilled, by the way, because we're waiting for the gospel to reach every unreached people group in every part of the world while we're doing that and people are turning to Jesus, Jesus is getting ready to come to us. We are here preparing the way for Jesus. Excuse me. We are the ones like that airport, that, that plane that comes to that airport that sees the lights on the runway. We are the light of the world shouting out to Jesus, come Lord Jesus, come Lord Jesus, come back. We are those ones preparing the way for the Lord. Repent, turn to God, and be refreshed that he may send the Messiah who he appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him. Heaven must keep him, receive him, 
until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. Do you know how many prophecies there were about Jesus coming the first time, verses in the Bible? Roughly around 300. The first coming, he'll be born in a manger. He'll be born of a virgin. He'll come from Bethlehem. 300 of those before Jesus was ever born. Are you tracking with me? Do you know how many verses in the Bible deal with Jesus' second coming? 2,400. He is waiting for everything to come together. My wife read that scripture. Don't think that the Lord is slack in keeping his promise, y'all. Just as surely as you see the world getting more wicked, there's a church calling out to him being refreshed, and God is checking off every box that he said through the holy prophets that must happen. The question I want to ask you as we get ready to leave out here today is are you ready? Because if I was to say Jesus was coming back tonight, what would you do differently? And whatever you would do differently, do now. Because you don't know when he's coming back. If I said Jesus was coming back tonight, would you go and forgive somebody? Would you go and tell them I'm sorry? Well, forgive them tonight. Forgive them today. If I said Jesus was coming back, would you call up your loved one, tell them you love them, and ask them to accept Jesus? We'll go preach to them today. We're not promised tomorrow. We are to live every day as if he's going to come back. I believe, my friends, that we are living in that last generation. I believe that because I have seen it increase. If I'm wrong, God have mercy on my children's generation. Because if wickedness looks like abortion, homosexuality, and violence in my day, Oh, dear God, what is it going to look like in my son's day? Are you ready? He came the first time and split time in two, A.D., B.C. He's the most popular name in all the world, most read book in all the world. That's how important his first coming was. Are you ready for his second coming? Are you ready? That's what we all have to ask ourselves because the king is coming. The king is coming back. Read the parables about the king coming back. It's always the same. I don't care which one you read. It's always the same. He rewards some. He punishes others. He blesses some. He curses others. He brings others to a party. Others get burned alive. I am serious, friends. When the king comes, there's a reckoning. Judgment's just not about hell. It's also about reward. Are you ready for rewards? What would you be rewarded for on that day? Honestly, I mean, what have you done for God? Have you told others about him? Have you shared the faith? Have you taught your children about him? I mean, what would you be rewarded for? Some of us may get in, but we're going to get a Burger King crown. You've seen Burger King crowns, right? They're made out of paper. God's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. You lived for me for 50 years, and you, and you know, you believed in me. Here's your crown. It's going to be a little Burger King crown. You're going to be in heaven. The Holy Spirit's going to come by, and your crown's going to fall off. You're going to pick up your crown again. Here it is. When I get to heaven, I want the angels to come bringing that thing. Boop, boop, boop. Back up, everybody. Boop, boop, boop. Here comes the crown. Lower it, fellas. Lower it. And you may say, well, that's, that's silly. You know, you just want to be boastful. You just want to say, oh, look at me. Look at me. No, no, no. Because the purpose of the crown when the king comes is to crown him with many crowns. I don't want to give him a life of worthless compromise. 
I want to give him a life that said, I gave you my best, Jesus. I gave you my strength. I gave you all that I had. Lord, here's to you. Glory to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You're worthy to receive my life and the honor. You're worth it, God. See, the word worthy means you're worth it. My wife is worth the diamond ring on her hand. And my God is worth the diamonds of my life. When I was a young man, just keep it down, Bam, please. Just, when I was a young man in closing, when I was a young man, I lived in New Orleans, and I would go to the spring break time to go fishing at the beaches all the time because it was the best time to go fishing. The fish were coming out, big sharks and all of that. And I would be there at the pier fishing at 2, 3 in the morning. And I'm telling you, those beaches at Pensacola, Panama City, any place you can think of, they would be lit up. Lights would be on. I'm talking strobe lights. The beach was packed. And here I am just on a pier fishing as a 20-year-old man, 23-year-old man, 24-year-old man. And I hadn't had a girlfriend in a long time. I got saved at 18, six, seven years, no girlfriend. Here I am fishing. And that world began to tempt me. Come on. Come on, pastor. You're a young man. You'll walk right over there and fit in, right? Other, I just, other than wearing this on a day like this, I just fit in with everybody. And then I could just hear the world saying, come on. It ain't that serious. Come on, party a little bit. Come on, hook up with the girl. Difference doesn't make. Difference doesn't make. And in my heart, in my heart, I would talk to Jesus on those fishing piers. And I would say, Jesus... You're worth my 20s. And if I'm alone, you're worth it. You're worth it, God. Because I've already been out into this world. I've already seen what this world does. And all it is is just a temporary blindness. All it is is just a dulling of the senses. That's what drunkenness is. A dulliness of the senses. That's what illicit sex is. It just dulls you till you don't feel anymore. And your drug may not be drugs. Your drug may be shopping. It may even be education. And you just become numb on the inside. And this world deceives you and makes you think this is all there is. Is these flashing lights and these moments of pleasure. But I want to tell you, God spoke to me that day, and I hope God speaks to you. There is a kingdom coming to this earth, my friend. There is a reckoning. There is a day that's coming where you will be rewarded for every tear that you cried, every step that you've taken in the right direction. There is a God who remembers and cares and says, I was with you that day. I was there, and it mattered. It mattered when you gave up for me. The Bible says, whatever you give up in this world for me, houses, land, and family, he said, you'll receive a hundredfold in the kingdom of God. That's a prom- I believe that promise. Whether I see it or not, whether I ever see what love I've poured out, put, give back to me as 20 years of pastoring, whether I ever get to see that happen, I'll see it in the kingdom of God. And my friend, every pain you've been through, every unanswered question, everything you've ever been through, you hold on. There's a kingdom coming with a king who wipes away every tear and makes every wrong right. Hitler doesn't win in the end. They don't win. There's a judgment day. There are people who have hurt you, and you think you've got to take vengeance. The Bible says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Pray for them now that they repent. Otherwise, they will be judged before all the world. 
your abuser, the ones who abused you, will stand before God naked in his world. His whole entire life will be broadcast before the world, and he'll be damned to hell if he hasn't repented. Vengeance is mine. See, it's a real day coming of reckoning. And friends, that's why our names need to be written in that Lamb's book of life. That's why you've got to be sure. I know the king. I know the king. One last closing before we leave. I was up there at Hancock Building. I love the Hancock Building, 95th floor. I love to go out there and see the whole city. I went there one time. The place was packed. But there was a doorman that I know. So I go up and I give him some money. Hook me up. Take me up there, man. I don't got time to wait in this line for two hours. I had a guest from out of town. Take me up there. Let me see the best spot. I know a king. And he says, I got you. I know a king that says, I got you. He says, come sit next to me. You know, the Bible says, we'll sit with him. We'll dine with him. I've been to, like I said, I've been with you in, in, in Mexico. The village, the chickens running and we're preaching. There is a king that knows them by name and says, I got you. We'll get up to heaven and we will see people that will be more glorious than anything we would ever have thought an angel to be because the sons of God will shine brighter than angels in God's presence. And we will see them and we will say, oh my gosh, who are they? And they might have been some of the poorest people among us, but they had lived for God and they will shine brighter than the noonday sun. That's what the Bible says. I want to be ready for that day. Are you ready? Let's stand up. Can we give Jesus a hand clap of praise? Hallelujah. Oh, God, we love you. Come in, King. Right now, would you just tell the Lord in your own words, I'm ready for you, Jesus. If you're not ready, would you get ready before we leave out of here today? Come on, just say, Jesus, I'm ready, or I need to get ready. Altar workers, would you come? We're going to close out in prayer today. Thank you for your patience. Are you ready for the coming King? He's going to make it right. Help me, Jesus. I want to be ready. I want to be ready. Come on, let's pray. 60 seconds before we leave. Ben, would you get the song, I Have Decided to Follow Jesus. Are you ready right now? Come on, are you ready? Are you ready to meet Jesus? Would you do anything different? If you would, do it right now. Do it today. Time is short. The, the Bible says the days are evil. Make the most of every opportunity. Jesus you didn't leave us here without signs to know when your, your coming was close we are without excuse there is no coincidence these are not coincidences God 15 more seconds 15 more seconds come on are you ready for the coming king if you're not ready get ready all you have to do is repent be born again Test my words this week, friends. Please go back and look at the notes. Go read the articles. Go read Jesus' writings. Don't be mad at me because I tell you truth. Prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. Show me that Jesus is not coming back. Show me we're not getting close. I mean, prove it. Because I take that I take that facts and him at his word. Let us be ready to meet Jesus. Before we go, could we sing this song together now? I have decided to follow Jesus. As we sing it, we'll get ready to dismiss right after this. But let's just sing it together. I have decided. I have 
to follow Jesus. In this wicked world, I have decided whether anybody goes with me or not, it doesn't matter. I'm following Jesus. He's worth it today. He's worth it today. Come on. You know who wrote this song? A man from India who was a Sikh and became a Christian, got disowned by his family. This is a man who knew what it was like to suffer, but he sung this out of his heart. Come on, this was his heart cry. Though I wonder, you ever wonder what's going on in life? But will you still follow? Don't matter if you know it all. You know the king. You're trusting him. Here's an important verse. The world behind me. The cross before me. If I have to give my life, I will, Jesus. Come on. If I have to give it all up, I will, Jesus. Jesus. Yes, Lord. Come on. One more time, I have decided. Everybody sing it out. If that's your cry today, if that's your heart, I have decided. I've decided. It's, it's a done deal. That's what I'm doing. Is that your heart today? I have decided to follow my Jesus. No turning back. Would you look up at me? I'll tell you a story about the real Peter. You want to know about the real Peter? He was in Rome. He was preaching the gospel, and they began to start killing the Christians. He left Rome, and he was on his way out because he knew if he left, he might be able to spare his life. As he was leaving, he saw a vision of Jesus heading back the other way. This is the historical story of what happened to Peter. As he was leaving out of the road of Rome, he saw a vision of Jesus heading back the other way. He said to Jesus, where, is, where are you going, Jesus? He says, I'm going to die with my people again. I will suffer with my people again. Peter then turned around and he went back into Rome. And you know what they did? They crucified him just like they did Jesus. And he said, I'm not worthy to be crucified. Hang me upside down on this cross because I will not be the same as Christ. Can you imagine that? We got brothers and sisters dying in ISIS. We've got people giving their life on a college campus. They asked them, are you a Christian? Even Peter at one point was afraid and said, man, I'm getting out of here. And Jesus said, but I'm running to that place. Can you hold somebody's hand today and pray that they'll make it through whatever they got to go through? That Jesus will go with them. Hold on to somebody's hand. There's a kingdom coming, but there's a lot of persecution. There's a lot of suffering in this world. We want to pray for each other. Pastor Berto, pray for us in dismissal, please. Lord God, we pray, Lord, that every single person in this room, Lord, would endure, will walk, God, close to you, Jesus. Abiding in you, Lord God. Focus on you, the anchor of our faith, Lord God, the author, the one, Lord God, that is leading us, Lord. I pray, oh God, for those that are being persecuted overseas, oh God, that you protect them, that you be with them, Lord, that they won't forget, oh God, that it, one day they will see you, Jesus, that they won't forget, Lord God, that everything, Lord, you will reward them for what they have done. 
And God, I just thank you for this great word this morning, God. I pray that every single one of us, Lord God, would just continue to walk it out, obeying your word, Lord God. So bless us all in, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Slap somebody high five and say, get ready or you're going to get left. God bless you. If you need prayer, come on up. Accept Jesus or just enjoy a moment of worship with us. We are your Have a great day. Congratulations again to our deacons. God bless you. We are consumed by you. Come on, we're going to worship. If anybody needs to pray with us today, come on up and grab somebody's hand. They'll pray with you. Otherwise, have a great week. Let this love be like a fire. Let our lives be like a flame. Fill our soul with your desire. Let our passion be. Come on. So let this love be like a fire. Let our lives be like a flame. Let our soul be your desire. So let this love be like a fire. Let our lives be like a flame. Fill our souls with your desire. Let our passion bring So let this love be like a fire. Let our lives be like a flame. Just the guitar and the bass drum. Come on.